this is Melissa Burgess from Die by the Blade. You're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good, going good. And can't believe the season's over, eh? It is. I mean, the only thing that's crazier is the short haircut you're rocking there, buddy. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's ever seen my hair before. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, our guests have seen it. Yeah, true, true. It looks good, man. Looks Thank you. Good, looking good. You look short. I mean, you and I are <laughs> the only ones going with the, the short look right now. But you are right, though, Tim. I mean, it is hard to believe that the season is already over, which only means one thing, that today's episode is our season six finale in chronological order, episode 150. The Patrick Seeloff edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. So I would do a usual rundown, but honestly, I think everything we've said about Patrick Seeloff, we already said it last week. Either last week or when it happened. I didn't know he was still playing. Is he in Europe right now or is he in the minors? No, he's uh, in the minors again with uh, San Jose. Oh, the Barracudas? Yeah. Which I'm surprised given that he just didn't play much in the, uh, even in the AHL after uh, like, yeah, he had two, a couple years with the Bellville Senators and then uh, just bounced around, went to Europe and then played almost a full season, which I think is a first for him, which good for him, I guess. Yeah, it is good for him man. good for him. And like I said, I mean, what can you really say about Patrick Seeloff? It hasn't already been said. He's a point per game player. He injured Clark MacArthur in training camp. Yeah. It's weird to think that he was like 20 when he did that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that I don't know if Patrick Seeloff's career was fully derailed by that moment? Because I don't know if he was good enough to make the full the team the full time. I, I don't think, that, think it was. I think that moment though that really solidified that yeah, you're not making this team. Oh yeah. It was still odd that he got that one game with the Senators. Yeah, I think it must have been like a pity game at that point. Just be like, okay, well, we might as well throw you in. Because what yeah. did he play? Was it 18-19? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so we were deep into the rebuild at that point. We're just like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to call a guy up. Yeah. Yeah. So usually this would be the time of the episode, Tim, where I would segue away from talking about cover athlete and announce next week's cover athlete but, but there isn't one. We don't have one. We do not have an because our next cover athlete would be for season seven. That's still so weird to hear. Well, you know what's also really weird to hear, Tim? Episode 150 of the main show. Yeah. This is not including our summer You're still episode. on that? We're still not including summer episodes. <laughs> We're still not including the playoffs. We're not really. We're talking just the regular season. 
We yeah. did 150 just regular season episodes. Oh, that's wild. It is wild, Tim. It is wild. But you know what, Tim? I will say one more thing that's a pretty wild. But it's also a tradition on the show. Now, you know, every season, I always like to begin with having a beer. Yep. I have it here for... Yo, is it Miller time? It is Miller time to close out season six. The third line plug sends cast. It's time to crack a cold one. Nice. You know what's funny? I haven't actually had one of these in a while. Actually, Any good? Box. I don't mind Miller High Life. It's it's not as good as the stuff in the States, but I mean, I, I like it for what it is. Huh. Good to hear. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, unfortunately, Tim, I mean, this would be the part of the episode where we would talk about our week or talk about a previous episode, but instead, we're going to change it up a bit, Tim, because we were technically supposed to have a guest co-host today. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it, but that's okay. So instead, we're going to call an audible, and we are going to bring back the long-abandoned discussion point. Oh, we haven't had one of those in forever. No, exactly. So for those who don't know, discussion point is a segment that Tim and I like to do on the show where we look at a hot take, or we look at a story that we find on social media, and we like to talk about it. Now, because we don't have any of this, but the Ottawa Senators season officially wrapped up this past week, I think it's time for Discussion Point to talk about the season recap. And the number one question that I think a lot of Senators fans really have on their minds, Tim, is this season a success? Well, given what the aim was at the beginning of the season to play meaningful games through to the end, yeah, I think we did. The Senators did that. Uh, they showed that they were a team that is focused on making the playoffs with some big acquisitions. And honestly, I think the team could have made it if, no one, November was a little bit better. And two, if uh, they just didn't get absolutely devastated by injuries. Yeah, and honestly, I know a lot of people like to point at November and talk about, well, that's the reason the Ottawa Senators didn't make the playoffs where we only won four games in that month. But you know what? I even think even if we did well in November, you're absolutely right. Being hit with that injury bug down the stretch where we lost Chikrin, we lost Talbot, we Shabbat, lost Shabbat, Norris, Norris. I mean, go down the list, right? Yeah. Event like, Eventually, you lost uh, Broussard. Like, the only thing that was, like, routinely health... Like, even Ottawa's top six, you're missing Norris the whole year, and uh, you just had one of Pinto or uh, Ridley Grieg stepping up to fill in the hole. Yeah, but even on the back end, like you said, Thomas Shabbat, Chikrin being hurt. The only guy who was, like, routinely healthy... Was Sanderson. Was Jake Sanderson. I yeah, because we missed so much Zub, too. Yeah, and I think even he was hurt too, wasn't he? For a bit, yeah. Yeah, Sanderson was hurt too at this point. But I do look at this season, and I think for myself, the expectation was I want to see us get close to the playoffs. The ultimate goal would be making it. Yeah. And for that, I deem this season a success. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the summer because, well, there's rumblings that 
DJ Smith and uh, Pierre Dorian might not be back. Who knows with uh, the new ownership, but uh, very interesting press conference this morning from uh, Pierre Dorian. Okay. Where Pierre kind of threw DJ under the bus. Well, it was more just a very lukewarm, like, yeah, I still like DJ, but we don't agree on everything. And I think that's, uh, Ian Mendes said at best, this is the most tepid endorsement we've heard of DJ Smith yet. Yeah, it, it is true. It is true. Now, I didn't get a chance to listen to the press conference that he did this morning. But you know what? I do agree that it would be very interesting to see what happens with the Ottawa Senators front office, especially in coach, especially when you see guys like Bradtree leaving, losing his job, and Ron Hextall losing his job. And now you're seeing Dallas Aikens losing job. Oh, God, no. Claude Julien might be back. Who knows? Julien or even Peter Laviolette in Washington. It's just like you look at all these guys left and right losing their jobs, and now you you got to look at Ottawa and be like, okay, is Dorian and Smith the key that you want going forward? Well, it's like, are they better than the available options? Yeah, and we're also forgetting. Say, for example, the Leafs lose in the first round again. Is Dubas going to be available? Kyle Dubas is going to be on the market. You cannot tell me that Kyle Dubas will not be fired. Yeah, if the Leafs whiff in the first round again. Yep. Because, like, I honestly think that getting rid of Pierre Dorian is probably a mistake because I think he's made more good moves than bad moves. Yeah, especially as of late, too, right? As of late, yeah. You definitely see when he doesn't have the shackles of the late Eugene Melnick being on him. But somebody was making an interesting point on Twitter this morning where they talked about... Pierre Dorian, and they did make the comment that they would not care if DJ Smith doesn't come back, but they would like to see Pierre Dorian at least being kept on as a head scout. Because you look at what he's done for the Ottawa Senators in the past as a scout. Yeah, like their drafting is quite good. It is. It is. And I mean, and you know what's funny, Tim, is that you look at the some of the scouts that the Ottawa Senators have had that went on to become a GM in the NHL. You'd be surprised. Well, yeah, you have like Tim Murray, Yarmo Kekalainen. Yep. And that's just two off the top of my head. Dorian, obviously. Dorian, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Yarmo Kekalainen. Who did he do, who did he find? Zito. Bill Zito, Mike Fisher, Hosa, Havlat, Vermette. I mean, you look at a number of the guys that we drafted in the mid to late 90s. He was a scout for all of them. Yep. Yeah, no, so it's like, I think we'd have to see what names were actually available, but there's like, I feel more on the coach side with some of the names popping up, like Dallas Eakins, it's like, ooh. <laughs> but I, I can honestly see da- Dallas Eakins just not getting another NHL job. No, I definitely see him going to Europe. Coaching a few years over there, and maybe a team may give him a chance. I don't see it happening. I really don't, especially because with Edmonton, you you can't really blame him because the talent wasn't there. Well, they blew up Anaheim, but I think people are expecting Anaheim to still be a little better than it was. See, I wasn't. I was kind of in the boat that you're blowing up the Ducks. This is not going to be a good team. Yeah. So it's like Dallas Eakins, again, just didn't have much to work with. I wonder if he's just going to be a coach that's kept around for teams like Touringay or uh, 
well, Chicago already has their coach for the rebuild in Luke Richardson. And uh looks like Arizona's happy with Touringay, so I don't think there's room for another tank coach unless uh Columbus lets their guy go. Yeah, I just I don't see it happening because I don't think people really expected the Blue Jackets to tank as much as they hard as much as they did this year. Especially when you got Johnny Goudreau. Sorry, and you you're ignoring the four by four million man. You're right. You're right, Tim. I'm so sorry. Mr. Eric Gabranson. Well, yeah. they also lost Zabransky for the whole season, too. So, like, that definitely didn't help. But, uh, yeah, just a weird season. It is a weird season. It is a weird season. Now, let's move along here, Tim. And let's talk about the ownership. Because we've, we've heard and we've talked about this so much on the podcast about the new ownership. Whether it's Ryan Reynolds or whether it might be Dwayne The Rock Johnson in an ownership role. The funny thing is, is that we still know nothing about what is is going to happen soon. We've always heard, oh yeah, it'll be done by the end of the month. It might be done in a couple of weeks. The goal, the timeline is that they'll probably have it by the draft. You really hope. And uh, that, with Gary Bettman saying it, maybe there's a bit more credibility to the statement. Yeah, well, especially because you can definitely tell that Bettman recognizes what Ryan Reynolds brings, not only from what they bring from the ownership group with Remington, but also because of him as a mark marketing guy. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Did any of us know what Relix was before he bought the team? Nope. No? Can you imagine how cool the auto centers will now become if Ryan Deadpool owns the team? Yeah. Because honestly, that's what Ottawa's missing. They're missing that Zays. He marketing person. No, I can agree with that. But even though... even like this year, like have you been watching uh, some of the Sens games on like TSN and you'll see like the we're the Ottawa Senders and we're for everyone ads. It's like it's aspirational, but it doesn't make me want to go to a game. <laughs> like I'm just going to put that out there. Like I didn't want it was nice to see Ottawa Senders TV ads for once. Yeah. They need work. They do. And maybe back in the day of Sportsnet East, maybe it was more common, but then again, we didn't get those games out here on the West coast, unfortunately, but talking about those ads, the one thing I really have to comment on when talking about them is that honestly, when I watch them, I would never think they're an Ottawa Senders ad. Yeah. Like, okay, there was, there's one where it's like the girl's talking about how her dad used to watch the hockey games with her and she'd go and now Stutzel is her favorite player. It's like, okay, I can see that's a hockey ad. And I can get that they're, they're marketing to parents on that one. But the other one was like, like, this is Ottawa. I'm like, I didn't pick up that was trying to sell me hockey tickets. No, no, because there were, it was almost like it was a hockey's for everybody sort of ad. Yeah. In the way that they were trying to present that, right? Because he's like, oh, here's a kid skateboarding and here's a group of young people. They're hanging out laughing and I'm watching this. I'm like, okay. And then it says, the Ottawa Senators. I was like, that that's a Sens ad? Yeah, it's like you can see what they're going for, but you're trying to do too much with one ad and it just doesn't hit. Like, yeah, they'll figure it out. They, they make will. the big bucks. I don't. 
Yeah, I know. But you know what, though? I mean, I think a new ownership group coming in would is going to be amazing. Yeah, especially if they have a better eye for marketing. Oh, Brad Marchand just scored. There you go. So as a lot of people know, we're actually recording this on Monday, April 17th. The Bruins are playing the Panthers, and it's 2 nothing Bruins now. Let's go. There you go. So let's move away from talking about ownership. Let's talk about Pierre Doran and this upcoming offseason because, you know, Tim, it's really hard. It's hard to believe that this is the first offseason where you look at the Senators and your first comment is, we don't need to add anybody. We don't need to make a big trade. We don't need to do anything. All you have to do, you've got, what, 10 plus mil right now in the cap for next year? Mm-hmm. You've got three RFAs you've got to re-sign. You've got a goaltending situation that you've got to take care of. If you're Pierre Dorian, where does your off-season priorities lay? Well, you try to get a good good long-term contract for Alex Dabrinkit. Even in a down season, he was still a very good offensive player. It sounds like he loves the team from uh, comments that we heard through Ian Mendez, so I'd like to see him stay. Uh, the defense, you're right. Uh, get a good contract for Eric Brandstrom. And then you have to trade. You'll probably end up having to trade one of Lassie Thompson or Jared Burner Doc, sorry, Jacob Burner Docker. Because n- neither of them are waiver exempt last year. Sorry, next year. So because neither of them are waiver exempt next year, you are probably going to lose one for nothing if you try to sneak them through waivers, a la Rudolph Balsers. Do you think that this is a situation where they're going to look at both players subjectively and they go, okay, who do we want to keep? But also factoring in one's a right shot, one's a left shot. Probably. This team already this team already has so many left shot defensemen right now. That'd be my guess at what they do. But they're both righties. Is Bernadocker a righty? I thought he yep, was. Yep, Bernadocker's a righty. Oh. Well, that's my bad, Tim. I can't believe I'm the host of this. Show. <laughs> because, no, that's my bad. I thought he was a lefty, but honestly, well, okay, well, let's talk about that. Okay, so if you're Pierre Doran and you have a decision, Thompson or Bernadocker, who do you keep? I would say JBD. I probably JBD. It seems like they trust him more. I think JB JBD played more games in Ottawa this season. Yeah, just but straight think, up. But he's also been he's also developed more than Thompson has. Yeah, like Thompson looked promising last year, but it seems like he even slid down the depth chart in Belleville last year. Because I don't think we we saw him once this year. I don't believe so i'm gonna quickly look this up i don't know mm-hmm. it but lassie is one of those guys that i honestly thought he was going to be one of our better defensemen and he really i hate to say it, he really hasn't shown oh he played two games this year okay but thompson just hasn't really shown it for me yeah he's looked promising but also you would think you know because he got drafted four years ago you should be closer to an initial spot than he is currently. But you also have to remember that Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson are, they're only two months apart in age. So Lassie Thompson was drafted at 18 while Bernard Docker was drafted, I think at 19 or 20. 19, 19. Yeah. 
So honestly, I would not be surprised if it ends up becoming Bernard Ocker, just because again, he's proven more. He's shown that he's a pretty good player. Maybe this is good for Lassie Thompson. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe. And it'll be interesting to see what Ottawa gets back for him. Uh, the other th- interesting thing to see is that uh, do we see more Max Maxence Gunnett? It was interesting to see he was on the last game roster. Yeah, and he's a guy that I often forget he's even in our system right now. Yeah. Well, the one thing we didn't talk about was the goaltending situation. Like, do you feel comfortable if you're Pierre Dorian rolling with the goalie situation right now where you have three young guys and you have our Anton Forsberg who just blew up both of his knees? Yeah, like if Fors- if we didn't have the Forsberg injury, then I'd actually be pretty comfortable with the goaltending situation right now. Like rolling uh, Forsberg... Uh, yeah, Ryan Forsberg, and probably not Mandelise, probably Sogard. Just because, like, Sogard, Sogard's funny because, like, he he's he strings some really good games together and then some real bad ones. So it's like, I think he has what it, at this point, it seems like he has what it takes. I wouldn't mind playing him as an NHL backup. Yeah, just see what we got, right? Now, I know that there has been some talk, and we've talked about this in the past, about if Ottawa potentially goes out and gets another goalie. But we've talked about this in the past, and it's just, who do you get? Yeah, like, Vancouver's not actually rebuilding, so Thatcher Demko's not on, doesn't seem to be on the table. Is is Boston going to tra- trade Swayman? I don't think they have to. No. So that's off the table. The UFA table looks pretty weak. And it's not like you you can't just call up Anaheim and be like, hey, what do you want for John Gibson? Yeah, well, I don't think, I don't even know if John, is John Gibson going to be like a Jonas Corpisalo situation where all of a sudden he's put in front of a good team, straight put behind a good team and he starts to play again. Like if the Kings like just bow out in the first and they decide not to re-sign Corpisalo, Jonas Corpusello might not be a bad one to say see if he could throw like one year four million at or something like that. True, but you know, LA may want to keep him around because maybe yeah. they don't feel confident about Phoenix Copley going forward. Exactly. And like that's the thing is you are playing against 31 other teams. And it's a shame that just Ottawa does have a very big amount of dead cap next year. It is true, Tim. It is true. So, do you have any comments that you want to make on our season recap here, Tim? I think that it was just a pretty good season overall. The one thing I found kind as much as there was a lot of injuries, there was a lot of bright spots, too, that we haven't really touched on, especially with uh, the continued growth of Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla. Oh, my God. I mean, and we'll definitely talk about those guys, like, especially Stutzel when we get to the games, because I actually looked into it, and he's the first 90-point guy in 15 years. And he's just going to get better. I know. Seriously, I think we should be kissing the ground of the contract that he signed. Yeah. That is a great – that will continue to be a great contract. It really will, man. It really will. 
Well, Tim, that reaps that closes out discussion point, which can mean only one thing. Start talking about some games. Now we got the two final games of the 2022-23 season. There are Carolina Hurricanes and the Ottawa Senators and the Buffalo Sabres versus Craig Anderson and the Sabres. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Hurricanes versus the Senators. This is a 3-2 Senators victory. Hurricanes goals scored by Brett Pesci and Brent Burns. Sense goals scored by Claude Giroux with two and Tim Stutzla. Shots were 32-29 for Ottawa. So I did have condensed this game because we were recording last week's episode. And it really sucks I didn't get a chance to watch it, Tim. Claude Giroux hit a thousand points. Yeah, and it's awesome that happened in an Ottawa Senators jersey. Eh? It, it was a multi-point effort for Giroux. It was. And you know what's funny? If I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> I'm going to quickly look this up because I believe Claude Giroux hit a career high, definitely in goals, but I want to see in points too, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just have a quick look here. That'd be awesome. It would be. I mean, that's a... That would, have, that would be an absolute slam dunk right there if... Let me have a look, see. If only this team was healthy, man. Uh, no. Career high in goals, 35. That's awesome. Yeah, he actually got a 102-point season in 17-18. Nice. Yeah, I hope that Claude Drew continues to play well into his late 30s, because that would be awesome. It would be so awesome for Claude, man. I mean, you definitely get a sense of that he loves playing in Ottawa. The guys really love him. And it's just so good to have him. I mean, think of all the years he played in Philadelphia. And he, and hard to believe he was actually kind of forgotten about there. Yeah, like, it didn't help that those Flyers teams were absolutely mid for so long. And then just, it looked like they turned the page, then they became comically bad. Yeah, but I mean, it also doesn't help when at the other end of the state, you have Crosby. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's going to be tough to beat, right? I mean, when you're in the same state as Sidney Crosby and in the same division as him. Yeah, and then uh, just a bit further down the highway is Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, and then, you, of course, you have up the road where you have, like, the Rangers and the Devils and the Islanders. Oh. Just very easy to get lost in the shuffle. Very easy, Tim. Very easy. So, do you have any comments before we head off into the final game of this season? I was really surprised. Just we we talked about a team being banged up in the Ottawa Senators, but Carolina is missing a lot of players too, eh? Yep. Like they're missing Svechnikov. Pacioretty came back for like a game. Kind of incredible what they're able to do. It really is. It it really is. I mean, what they've been able to accomplish, and they're going up against a tough opponent in the Islanders in the first round. So, and I completely forgot that they had Derek Stepan, former Sens legend. Okay, Tim. Let's talk about the final game of the 2022-2023 season: the Sens versus the Sabers. This was a four to three Sabers overtime victory. 
Sense goes recorded by Tim Stutzla, Dylan Gambrell, and Claude Giroux. Sabres goes recorded by Henry Yokiharu, Victor Olison, Tay Thompson, and Casey Middlestad in overtime. Shots were 36 33 for Buffalo. I gotta say, despite the fact we didn't get the W, I was pretty entertained by this game. Yeah, and uh, Buffalo definitely had a little bit more jump than the Senators did at different parts of the game, but this looks like it's going to be a very fun rivalry for years to come. It is. Now, does it hit the same sort of intensity like the one we had in the late 90s with them? Maybe, maybe not. We're not too sure, but it's still going to be a fun rivalry regardless. Now, I do have a couple of notes here. First off, the Buffalo Sabres and the Goathead jerseys. They look good. You know what? I really love the fact they brought the Goathead jersey back. I would have loved to. Here's the thing I have with those jerseys when I looked at them on TV. I would have liked to see that Goathead jersey being a little bit more modernized. I think the reds could have been a bit brighter. You could have maybe had more prominent silver on the sides of the jerseys. It could have been brighter. It could have been cleaner. I'm not saying it's a bad jersey, but to me, it just feels like that could have been a little bit, just maybe. a tiny bit more. It still looks, it still looks good on TV. It does, and that's the thing. But there's certain shots I look at it. And I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a jersey from like 1996. Fair, but that's it's kind of cool. It is like I love the I've always loved the logo. Yeah. If you, if you don't stop complaining, they're bringing back the Buffalo Slug next. Oh, I don't <laughs> want to see the Buffalo Slug next. <laughs> Do you think that the nostalgia of that jersey for some people like they would demand to bring it back? Oh, totally. I I don't know how many, but I mean, I think it's funny. It was a neat attempt, I guess. And it's kind of funny how much that jersey kind of looks like a hockey version of the San Diego Chargers. It really does. <laughs> it does look like the Chargers. It does. I, I actually always really like those jerseys. I think I just think for me that could have been a little bit more modernized. Let's Maybe talk little... Craig Anderson, though. Yeah. I know. I mean, but you know what, though? As much as I can talk about that jersey, Craig Anderson, final NHL game, final you know, NHL win. And it was a good one. Fitting he got it against the Sens. Yeah, and it's really, I really do appreciate the kind of the load management that Buffalo did to ensure that Anderson could go out in good form against the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa did the same thing for, uh, Derek Broussard against uh, the New York Rangers. Just really classy stuff. And we've said it before, we said it a hundred times that Craig Anderson eventually kind of became the goalie with the longest tenure and most wins with the Ottawa Senators and is almost an iconic goalie for them. Well, he definitely is an iconic one, but he's so unexpectedly iconic too because he was just a guy that we shipped him off to... We shipped Brian Elliott off to Colorado for him, and we thought, okay, he might have another year or two in the bank. Because it was one of those things, like, we looked at the time and be like, okay, well, we got Robin Leonard and we have Ben Bishop up in the, in the system. We'll be fine. Yeah. And then he just comes out of nowhere and just becomes our 
franchise starter for the next 10 years. Pretty much. And him and Carlson dragged Ottawa to the third round of the playoffs. Let's be perfectly honest there. Yeah, I mean, they definitely had some help with Kyle Turris and Mark Stone. But those two guys definitely kicked them, dragged them kicking and screaming. Yeah, so I'm not, I won. I'm not sure if Craig Anderson's number gets retired in Ottawa, but I can certainly see him going into the ring of honor. And again, it goes back to what we've always said. And I think we've even did it during our COVID episodes about how we could see Craig Anderson being in the ring of honor. That would be fair. I think the only thing I couldn't see him is having his jersey retired is because, you know, 201 wins. Yeah. Some goalie's going to come along and break that. Oh, for sure. And then you're going to see that number up there and be like, okay, is that really appropriate to have it up there? Of course. I don't think anyone's ever going to forget the 2016-2017 season, man. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think I've mentioned this on the show that Craig Anderson's wife, Nicole, actually liked one of my tweets back in the day. Yes. Yeah, you did. It's so cool. And I saw her at the game and I was just like, oh my God, it's Nicole and the kids. Oh, it's lovely. It is lovely. It is lovely. Now, what's not lovely, especially if you're a Sabres fan, the Claude Giroux off the skate goal. Oh, the fans were not happy with that in the building. No. But we take it. We take it. And they were very clear on what was technically a goal and what wouldn't have been. Like, had he kicked it in, that's a no goal. But deflecting it, it counts. Yeah. And we've had that count against us, so I'm glad it's going our way. 100%, man, 100%. Now, last guy I want to talk about here is Tim Stutzla. First 90-point player for the Ottawa Senators since Jason Spezza in the 2007-2008 season with 92. It's been that long. It's been since the high point, one of the high points of the cash line since that's happened. Yeah. Wow. And keep in mind, we hadn't had a 30-goal scorer in almost a decade, too, before Stutza came along. Right, because uh, the last 30-goal scorer was Milan McCulloch. Mm-hmm. And Stutzel almost had 40. He did. Oh, that was so such a gut punch he didn't get 40. He was close. He was. And he's still young, too, man. Well, as we say, love to see it. We do, man. We do. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up the 2022-23 NHL season for the Ottawa Senators. Now, before we head off into the close, I think we're going to take a really quick break here in the Third Line Podcast and come back to quickly give our predictions for the 2003 NHL playoff first round. Coming right back. Hey, this is Michael Hart from Black and Gold Productions, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Okay, we are back. So, Tim, it's time to talk about the 2003 NHL playoffs. First round starts off tonight. We've got a couple of great games already in session. So, let's give some quick predictions here, Tim. Now, let's start off, as we always do, in the Western Conference. The number one seed in the Pacific Division, Vegas Golden Knights, versus the second wildcard Winnipeg Jets. This is the first matchup between the two teams since 2018. I'm going to say 
And this is kind of tough because of the injuries that the Golden Knights have. I'm still going to pick Vegas in six. I like that. I think Connor Hellebuck can probably steal a couple games, but Winnipeg limped into the playoffs. And Mark Stone's back, baby. I got to pick Vegas here, and I think six is the right number. Okay, so we're both picking Vegas and six. I like it. I like it a lot, Tim. Have we ever bet against Mark Stone? I don't think so. No. Not that I've ever known, anyway. The number two seed in the Pacific Division, Edmonton Oilers, versus the number three seed in the Pacific, Los Angeles Kings. This is the first meeting... Sorry, this is the second meeting between the two teams in consecutive years. And you know what's funny, Tim? I mean, for an L.A. team last year that really took Edmonton by surprise, I'm going to go with Edmonton in six. I think I'm going to go Edmonton with in five because I don't think Jack Campbell's starting. I think it's going to be Stuart Skinner. McDavid is angry. And right now the way he's playing it's mcdavid's world and everyone else is just living in it yeah i mean that three-headed monster of nugent hopkins dry and mcdavid and the defense is so much better this year too with uh barry out and Ekholm in i actually think that edmonton's going to make a deep run this year and uh again as as much as i think corpusalo and copley are good goaltenders it's connor mcdavid yeah, and for L.A., Edmonton is going to be that measuring stick in that division of that's the team that we need to overcome now mm-hmm. to get to the next round. And that's not to say, like, I think L.A. is going to put up a decent fight, but it's going to it's going to be hard. It's going to be just very much the McDavid show plus Drysdale. The number one seed in the Central Division, Colorado Avalanche, versus the number the first wild card, Seattle Kraken. This is the very first meeting between the two teams. You know what? And I think for me, this is going to be the series that I'm going to watch the most because I'm probably going to jump on the Kraken wagon. I, I'm going to say Colorado and six. Like, I don't know if their goalies hold up. That's that's really it. While Colorado is almost healthy. Yeah, with the exception, I believe, of Landis God, who's out for the yeah. season. So I like, I really do like Colorado winning this series in six. I, It would be fun to see Seattle win, especially with their defense first system. But uh, this season, they were the beneficiary of insane shooting percentages. But I don't think a seven-game series where Colorado gets to adjust every game I don't think that survives because they're going to take them out of the good shooting lanes. And I'm not sure that they're going to continue to be as lucky as they were. So you're going to stick with Colorado and six, Colorado and six. Actually, I'm going to say Colorado and five. I just don't trust the goaltenders to continue memeing the way they have been. Yeah, that's fair. Especially. Do you trust Martin Jones, Tay? No. No. No, I do not. But then again, I mean, Philip Grubauer went there and his career basically went in the bank, so. That's true. Yeah. The number two seed in the Central Division, Dallas Stars. versus the number three seed in the Central, the Minnesota Wild. This series out of the West is going to be the one that I was... 
it's very, a toughie. It's such a tough, tough pick because I look at both teams and I'm like, there's no clear cut winner for me. But just because of how he played against Calgary in the playoffs last year, I'm going to say stars in seven. I'm going to say stars in six. Yeah. I just think Dallas has way, way more star power. And they actually even have a little bit of uh, depth scoring. While Minnesota, it really is Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, as much as Philip Gustafson has been very good for Minnesota this season, yeah, I, I got to agree with you that uh, Dallas and six seems like a fair pick for me. Yeah, especially with the way that the top two lines in Dallas have been playing. Like, Roberts, Pavelski, and Hints have been great. And then Jamie Bent's career seems, he seems to have at least turned back the clock a little bit. And Dodonov has actually played pretty well in Dallas. I can, and Ottinger has been fantastic. I see Dallas taking this one pretty easy. Okay, Tim, we're going to move along and talk about the Eastern Conference. The number one seed in the Atlantic with 64. Five wins, Boston Bruins versus the second wild card, Florida Panthers. I'm going Bruins in five. This was the easiest pick for me. How long do you think Alex Lyon holds out? It's going to be interesting because I was watching the first period of this game before we start hit record, and Alex Lyon looked great. He looked great, but the Bruins looked so dominant. It's just like, holy crap. I mean, you look at that team. Even before the deadline, you look at this team and you're like, okay, this team has no holes. They got a two-headed monster in goal. Very good de- defense. Pasternak's on the back end. Marchant's still there. Bergeron's still there. Krejci came back. And then Boston goes out be like, Dimitri Orlov, we got him. And oh yeah, we're just going to take Tyler Pertuzzi from Detroit. Yeah, it's like, you know what? We could be better. And it's weird because it's like it's a down season for Taylor Hall, too. Like, just wild stuff. You know what's really wild, Tim? We always talk about that ad that we are entering a new golden age. We truly have. 65 wins is absurd. 65 wins. We had 11 players that hit 100 or more points this season. We've got Alex Ovechkin a year and a half away from breaking the all-time goal record. I think Boston wins five games, but I think they're going to be all good games to watch because Florida is kind of hit a step finally, especially with uh, Matthew Kachuk just willing himself to that next level. God, I mean, that was the easiest pick for them all out of all of these, to be honest. Well, sort of. The number two seed, Atlantic, Toronto Maple Leafs, and the number three seed in the in the Atlantic. Tampa Bay Lightning. You've already penciled in Tampa in seven? Yep. I think the Leafs take it this year. Tampa looked so, like, I think Vasilevsky can steal enough games, but I'm I'm not convinced by the Tampa forward core this year. And like Toronto kind of limped in too. I don't know. It just feels like the Leafs are the more complete team this year. Although I really don't know what they did with the defense. 
you know what? I think for me, I always go back to regardless of how Tampa Bay looks in the regular season, they find a gear in the playoffs and they just honestly, this is the way I see it for me. Yeah. Tampa wins in the first round. They get swept by Boston in round two. That's fair. But it's also like the other hard thing, I guess, is like, what are we getting out of Samsonov? Because if he's still kind of banged up and playing, because he actually did play pretty well until the end of the season here. But uh, rumor is he's kind of banged up. If Samsonov is banged up, I I don't trust Matt Murray. And I definitely don't trust either Joseph Wool or Eric Calgren. But it's like, I guess it's like, who do you like better? Do you like the comp? Do you like Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares? Or do you like Point Kucherov? Yeah. But this is going to be a big, big series for Toronto. Not only because this would be the first series to first series win for them since 2004. We don't need to talk about who they beat. But <laughs> also, you think of the changes Toronto is going to go through in the offseason if they don't win. Think of it. Dubas is gone. Sheldon Keefe might be gone. But the big one of them all at UFA. Well, it's also just... Do you think this would be the moment, if Toronto loses, does Matthews throw in the towel and say, fuck this, I'm out? I don't know. But the other hard thing with Toronto is it's just... Well, next year, like, a bunch of UFAs, right? I doubt Nolachari comes back. Like, Ryan O'Reilly is probably not coming back. David Camp, they might bring him back. Michael Bunting is... If he gets comes back, he's probably he's probably getting paid. Let's be real. Wayne Simmons is gone. Aston Reese is probably gone. I don't know if they keep Hall or not. Shen's gone. Eric Gustafson's probably gone. They still have a full roster. So it's like, I don't think they're actually in cap trouble. Especially like if Jake Muzzin stays on LTIR, Nick Robertson, Victor, Victor Mete's. I don't I doubt they even qualify Victor Mete. Mm-hmm. but the question is is like yeah what if the sorry if toronto loses again what do they do with matt murray what do they do with Ilya samsonov because sam samsonov's rfa arbitration rights and then yeah you've got the the interesting thing is like yeah the big two of the big four matthews and nylander in their last year of their contract and you have to imagine that willie nylander is going to get paid too yeah but so is matthews yeah, so I think next year, like the Leafs are probably locked into their core for one more year, whether they like it or not. Yeah. So, when but it'll be interesting to see who they round it out with. But I think, I think I like the Maple Leafs to win this year, honestly. How many games? Seven. It's going to be a tight, hard series, but I like the I like the Leafs better than I like Tampa Bay. Did yeah. I just commit sense podcast blasphemy? Yeah, but then again. How many times did we pick Toronto over Columbus, over Montreal, and they didn't win? That's fair. That's fair. So it's like they got to show me, but like I think it, out of all the years, it's gonna if they're gonna do it. I feel like I've said this like four times. If they're gonna do it, this is the year. Yeah, just have that as a slogan. Yeah, and if my boy Sammy's listening, I believe in the Leafs this time. And if your friend Sammy's listening, I don't. (laughs) 
The number one seed in the Metro, Carolina Hurricanes, versus the number one wildcard team, New York Islanders. I'm going to say Hurricanes in six. So what you're saying is you think Ilya Sorokin can steal two games. Because, like, what else really is on that Islanders team other than him and Bo Horvat? Barzell? Barzell, yeah. But it's just like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Lee, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Pajot. Josh Bailey, Pajot. But like, that's a team where it's just like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, okay. The Islanders, you know what? They're perfectly built for the playoffs. But it's going to be an interesting scenario where it's just, who his team is going to show. Yeah, I really like the Canes. Even to, like, I know I was just talking up at, during the games, how injured, dinged up, important players missing, but I really like the Canes. Like, they are a team that is built to just play playoff hockey as well. And they literally play playoff hockey for an entire regular season. Like, watch the way they play. Watch the way they control the puck. Watch the way they reduce shots. Don't give you anything. And then just take shots from the nice areas. The big issue with Carolina has always been that they can't score a goal. But when it comes to playoff hockey, if you could just make everything mud and get to the pretty areas... That goalie who's played 60 games at this point, he's going to give you something. Yeah, but, you know, even talking about, like, the Kraken are built that way too. But I think the Avalanche, the Avalanche are going to be in a weird situation though. But the difference is, is I trust Freddie Anderson. I trust Antti Ranta. I do not trust Martin Jones. No. Because Martin, I think Martin Jones is just going to give up too much. While Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranto have that degree of competency that, sure, they might give you a .89. They're not going to give you a .8 during the playoffs. And that's the difference. 100%. Okay. So when it comes to the prediction, who are you taking? I'm taking Carolina. Carolina in six. Okay. I'm just looking right now. We got three series that we're both picking the same. So now we come to the final series, Tim. The number two seeded in the Metro, New Jersey Devils versus the number three seed in the Metro, New York Rangers. This right here, this was the hardest series to pick. Because honestly, this was a coin flip. I, I don't actually like the rangers as built that much but it's the usual rangers bullshit where a whole bunch of like offensive structure mediocrity is papered over with good shooters at a fantastic goaltender like how many years were we saying this about the new york rangers like ah they'll go as far as lundquist will take them yep and now you just change lundquist with shirokin like, it's just, Shesterkin is the best goalie in the NHL until anyone says different. But I really, really do like this New Jersey Devils team, and I'm excited to see what they do uh, in the playoffs. I yeah. think it's I think it's the Devils in six. This is going to be it. They're going to be good games every game, though. Yeah, I think, again, this was a coin flip for me. Rangers in seven. You got Hughes, Heischer, but Dougie Hamilton, and just an entire supporting cast of just fantastic players. 
and I guess you could say the same you could say the same thing about New York, but I guess I'm not as convinced in like a best against best matchup about the about the Rangers versus the the Devils. Yeah, and honestly, I really was leaning towards the Devils, but again, I think it's going to come down to Shirokin for the Rangers that yeah, he's going to hold the Rangers in there. Right, best best goalie, best team sort of thing, right? Yeah. But just the way that New Jersey controlled play all this season has been nothing short of fantastic. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on these predictions before we head off to the close for another season? No, I think I'm good. It's just been, this has been probably one of the best NHL seasons in years. Yeah. And honestly, and, it feels like we say that almost about every year, but this truly has been one of the best in a long time. Yeah, and if the playoffs deliver, then chef's kiss. Although some of the stuff we saw last year was just nuts, especially like Ottinger's 80 save game. Yeah, and uh, all the, the Chuck beers. By the way, did you see Drunk Brady the other day? No, what happened? Went out day drinking with the boys, and uh, they all got in a big. I think it was like a party bus, and he's just like, "We're gonna win the Stanley Cup." <laughs> Thanks, Brady. Very uh, cool. Drunk Brady strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. It truly is. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the sixth season of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at Third Line Plug. You can find me on both at Great White Gipster, and you can find Tim on Twitter at M901. Honey Badger. Well, Tim, it's hard to believe. We have no games? No, no games for next week. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. We have no more Sens games to talk about, but the next episode we're going to be talking about is the start of the 2023 NHL playoffs, Tim. Yeah. Looking forward to it. You know what I'm looking for, Tim? There's a certain intro I use every year. Okay. Yeah. I think we, I think we should close it out with that this year, Tim. All right, let's do it. All right. For this season, guys, I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Hit it.